This is the Skyline SIV podcast. If you would like to connect with us, head on over to our website at skylinesib.com and follow us on social media at SkylineSIB on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you so much, Pastor Philip and Pastor Nancy and all the team that welcomes us. We feel so at home here. You know, I have something to confess before I start. I, when the host was welcoming, who is the first comer, first time comer this morning? I forgot to raise my hand. I think that's because I feel so at home here already. Come on, let's give yourself a big, big hand. And really, if you are here for the first time or second time visiting, I strongly encourage you to stay here and make this your home. Because really, I see all the beautiful people, amazing people are all in Skyline. And I believe that as you stay here longer, you'll be transformed as well. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, the team, for, for really ushering in God's presence this morning. I'm so glad we are bringing greeting from Penang. The last time when Pastor came, he preached about city lights, right? And that really defined the identity of our church even deeper. It really impacted our church and it launched us out to the workplace to really make a greater impact. Since then, there are a lot of testimonies that uh, we share and we begin to realize, man, this is good. We are all lights in the city. And thank you, Skyline, for being that example for us. We have heard so many good things about you. Finally, God has brought me here. I'm thankful to God. Amen. This morning, shall we pray before we start? Father God, we just thank you for your presence here. Truly, you are the reason why we are here and we are here, God, to hear from you. This morning, Lord, would you just speak to us deeply? God, bring us to a place, Lord, that's closer to you, closer to your heart. Lord, we commit ourselves, the preaching of your word into your hands. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. You'll be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for keeping me company. Today, the title of my sermon is Jesus Behind the Scenes. How many of you like... Um, you follow. How many of you like Coldplay? No? A few? All of you only listen to worship songs? <laughs> you know, Coldplay is coming to Malaysia soon. And I have a lot of members traveling just to watch them. And you know, a lot of times when we approach Jesus, a lot of times when we think about God, we see God as a public figure. You know, when God is performing miracles, when God is doing great things, that's when we begin to feel like, oh God, I want to see you move. I want to see you do wonderful things just like how you have done for others. I believe you do the same for me. But this morning, I would like to bring us through a journey to not just know what Jesus can do under the limelight, but what also who Jesus is behind the scenes. You know, every day as we live, we make hundreds of comparisons every day, right? When you drive, 
somebody overtakes you, wow, that car is faster, nicer. Penang nights, we eat fried kway teow, right? We eat, ah, last store was better. <laughs> right, we make comparisons. Um, mothers, when you shop for groceries, you want to buy apples, you begin to compare which bet- apple is better, right? We make comparisons all the time. And sometimes we do that so often subconsciously, we begin to also put ourselves in the picture. We begin to compare, oh, this person is so popular. He's so uh, popular among friends. Ah, I'm comparing myself against him. We begin to compare like, oh, my, my, my colleague gets promoted before me, although I'm more senior. When we begin to make comparisons like that, that affects how we see God as well. Because we begin to feel, hey, it seems that God is blessing others more than me. It seems that God is giving that person a bigger miracle, a bigger breakthrough. Friends, the imagery of Jesus working in our lives determines the conversation we have with Him. If we keep comparing, we begin to lose our joy. That's because we feel it seems God is blessing. It's just like when I step here, step in here, it's just very natural. Wow, God, you are using skyline more than city life. <laughs> you know, it's just so natural, right? We, we begin to, to feel that we may not speak it, but sometimes it happens. And it's not all bad, but if we dwell in that, our prayer becomes outcome-based, right? If my prayer is answered, my prayer is good. If my prayer is not answered instantly, maybe my prayer is less powerful. Are you following me? Like if, if God gives me my miracle now, then I think God is for me. So very soon, we begin to focus a lot on breakthrough healing and provisions and protection. They are all good. They are all blessings that God wants to bless us. And we sing songs like that as well. Waymaker, miracle worker, right? But if that is the only dimension of our relationship with God, we are missing out on something because we only focus on Jesus that is on the stage, not the Jesus behind the scenes as well. How amazing it is if you do not just know Coldplay on stage, but you also hang out with him, with them, right? How amazing it is if you like Jay Chow, any Jay Chow <laughs> fans here. You know, we, 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 we want to, it, it would be great if you can hang out with him and get to know this person. Friends, very often when we don't see the outcome we expect, we assume that God is not answering. That is because we measure against the Jesus in the public. The Jesus that everybody talks about. Jesus that is spectacular under the limelight. Friends, this is one part of Jesus. And very often, that is the divinity of Jesus that we look at because He can do things that we cannot do. Amen? How many of you love that part of Jesus? Yes? He's divine. He is miracle worker. And we should proclaim that. We should know Him that way. But that is also one side. When Jesus was on earth, He wasn't just divine. He was 100% God 
yet he was also 100% man. That was the reason Jesus came. The one thing that differentiates Jesus from the rest of other gods out there is that God came to us and He became one of us as well. He was 100% man as well. To know Jesus, I believe we should not only look at the divinity of Jesus, but also the humanity of Jesus. That's where we can begin to relate to Him differently. Because the Bible says that He lives among us and He sympathizes with us. And this morning, that is why we can have a relationship with Jesus. Because of His humanity, He became man. Today, I want to bring all of us through a journey, I pray. Through a journey of approaching Jesus differently. I pray that we may find Jesus being so close to us unexpectedly. As you begin to approach Jesus a bit differently, not just what He can do here when everybody is looking, but perhaps Jesus is just so near you. It's just that we did not know. That is when the familiar place becomes unfamiliar again. You know, we, 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 we have our daily routine, our weekly routine. We travel from point A to point B all the time. From our house to our workplace, from our house to church this morning. We have that routine, right? That, inc- that includes me where I, you know, I'm always on the road, always driving very fast, all right? <laughs> because we want to reach our destination quickly. So very often, we focus so much on the destination, we forget our journey. Until one day, our car breaks down. Then we realize, oh, there's a tree here. Wow, that's shit. Thank God, God, I thank you for this tree. But we never thank God for the tree when we travel fast. That's, that's, that's the time when we begin to enjoy the sceneries, the, the roads, the shops. Oh, thank God there is a convenience store here. Now I can buy 100 plus because I'm thirsty. I believe to experience God in the deeper level is not just the destination, but also the journey. Where the familiar routine, when we walk each day, it becomes unfamiliar again because we are aware that God is actually with us in a little tiny detail of your life, God is with you. I mean, I want to tell our neighbor, God is with you all the time. You know, Jesus' ministry before the cross was very public. He healed the sick, yes. He rose the dead, Right? And he did miracles after miracles and people were following thousands of people. He fed 5,000 people miraculously. That was the Jesus that people love to follow. But again, I believe that after the cross, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, his ministry was more private and underground. That was the part that people seldom talk about. And today, we want to know Jesus in this dimension as well. And His ministry was not just public, 
only, but it was also private and personal. I want to share this with you in John chapter 15, verse 13 and 15. John chapter 15, verse 13 and 15. The Bible says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. You are my friends. That is why I lay down my life for you. This is my love for you. Today, all of us here, we have the privilege to be God's friends. And He longs to walk with us. He longs to speak to us. It's, it's, it's to speak to us. It's not just getting things done, like how our managers may be, but it is journeying with us. I want to share with you three stories, three short stories in the Bible after Jesus' resurrection. Is that okay? Today, we're just going to go through the story. And as we go through these stories that you may be familiar, I pray that today it becomes unfamiliar again. As you go through the story, perhaps as you slowly listen and journey, you realize you are inside the story as well. You are part of the story. The first story that I want to bring to you, you know, it's this lady called Mary Madeline. In John chapter 20, we're not going to read the, the entire scripture. I want to encourage you to go back. If you have a physical Bible, it will be great if you can just read through the story again and make it so personal for you. Now, Mary Madeline was not one of the 12 disciples. She was not a prominent leader. You know, when we go to an organization, a group of people, we always focus on, this is the senior leader, this is the manager. Oh, these are the, all the uh, managers inside the company. You go to a church, perhaps you see, oh, this is the connect group leaders. These are the pastors. They are great, right? But Mary Madeline was not one of them. She was just following Jesus. Perhaps very often, she wasn't in the call at all where Jesus would talk um, big things and, and things that... that Perhaps only the 12 disciples would hear. But she was just faithfully following because Jesus was so important to her. Now, when Jesus died on the cross and when he, he was buried, Mary was very sad because she loved Jesus. I don't know if you have the experience of losing someone you loved before. The, the few days, right? You just don't know what to feel when you eat things, I mean, food, doesn't taste anything, right? And you begin to don't um, keep thinking about the person that you, you love. So that was the time, the first day of the week, Sunday. Mary woke earliest. She rushed to the tomb to see Jesus because I think she missed Jesus. She missed spending time with Him. But when she reached there alone, she realized that the tomb was already, that the stone was removed. And Jesus was no longer there. She rushed back. She told other disciples and they went together again. Simon Peter and John, they saw the tomb. Yes, it's empty. They did not know what to do. 
You know, a lot of times we men, right? We are very solution-minded. Reach there, I cannot find the body. I don't know what to do. Go home, lah, right? What is the point of staying, right? But a lot of times it is a woman that has a lot of emotion. What to do? I don't know what to do, but I cannot go back because my Lord's body is missing. So when both of them have gone back, Mary was still there crying. She was very sad. And you know what? When she was crying, angels were there. She, they asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? Sometimes when we read the scripture, right, we, we have to realize that, hey, why did they ask a lady? Why, why is this even recorded in the Bible? Is it even important? But if it is recorded, I believe it is important. It is important for people who are like Mary Madeline. She was crying. She was sad. They asked her, why are you weeping, women? And she, she told them the answer. She's looking for Jesus' body. And then, lo and behold, when she was crying, Jesus appeared to her. Jesus appeared to her. And Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Whom are you seeking? And you know what? At that moment, she did not even realize that it was Jesus. Sometimes when we are sad, sometimes when we are crying, God is with us, but we don't realize, we cannot recognize God because we are just so sorrowful, right? And that's when she said, where is, I'm looking for my Lord. What did Jesus do? Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, it is that familiar voice that she did not expect. When the familiar becomes unfamiliar again, I did not expect that my Lord would call my name. She, she turned and said, Rabboni, that means teacher. She wanted to hug Jesus already. And Jesus said, do not cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. Isn't it amazing that Jesus was supposed to meet his Father first? But he stayed. For Mary. I think a lot of times we think, why cry? Doesn't solve the problem, right? But to Jesus, when we cry, our tears matter to Him. Do you know when you cry alone? When you are troubled? When you are sad? Jesus collects your tears in a bottle. God remembers your tears. A broken and contrite heart, He does not despise. Jesus is not just amazing when the public is looking at him performing miracles. He's amazing because he stayed back for people like Mary. It's not even one of the great leaders, but she just loved Jesus and Jesus stayed back for her. And you know what? She became the first person who brought back the good news to the disciples. Just when we think... Women may not, some traditions some in the society, people may think oh, women are not that important. Maybe men should, you know, it's not equal. But yet Jesus called her to bring back the good news of his resurrection back to the disciples. She was 
overjoyed. She brought back the good news. She became the first person with the good news for the disciple because she had seen the Lord first. Friends in your life, perhaps you can identify with Mary. Perhaps you don't see yourself as somebody important in a group. You don't think, I don't think God is going to use me the same as other people. Oh, I think my connect group leader, I think my pastors are just so amazing. I'm just not as important. That is wrong, friend. Jesus will still be with you. Like how he was with Mary Magdalene. That was the private ministry of Jesus. Though Mary, she had a dark past, you know, she was demon-possessed. In that society, she was probably having the wrong gender to even be anybody significant. And in her deepest sorrow and anguish, Jesus was there for her. Jesus understood how she felt. The second story that I would like to bring you to is these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's taken from Luke chapter 24. You can also go back and read Take time to journey through. The Bible says here, two of them, two disciples, they are not named. They were walking, leaving Jerusalem where all the disciples gathered and they were traveling to Emmaus. And now, when as they were traveling, they were talking about what had happened, which is Jesus crucified, buried, resurrected. And you know, they, they were just talking what happened um, in Jerusalem. And so it was when they were talking, I don't know why it caught Jesus' attention. Jesus actually caught up with them and traveled with them. To me, that is very amazing because they were leaving Jerusalem. It was not a proper gathering where Jesus discussed things with them. They were just doing traveling, a conversation that they were having. But Jesus knew something, that they were troubled. And as they asked, as Jesus asked, what kind of conversation are you having? And one of them spoke to Jesus. It was Cleopas. He said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Are you so blur? Like you don't know? Jesus, are you so blur? They did not know it was Jesus. Who was blur? He was blur. <laughs> A lot of times, we are like that, right? God, you are so blurred. Oh, everyone, you are so blurred, but we are the one that we do not know what is happening. But you see, the thing is this, Jesus did not reveal his identity straight away. He took time, patiently explained things with them. So often, right, we want to get things done. We want to get straight to the point. I realized that Jesus was very patient. Jesus slowly explained to them the things of God, the prophecies about Him. And as they talked, they became strengthened and encouraged. And then as they reached the destination, Jesus intended to move on without revealing His identity. I am Jesus, so blur you. <laughs> he, did not, he did not do that. And they being friendly and being encouraged, they invited Jesus to eat with them as they sat on the at the table. 
One thing amazing is this, these people, they are so blurred, they are hosts, right? They are supposed to break the bread and serve the, the, the guests. They did not. It was Jesus who brought the bread. I think our God is amazing. Sometimes we are supposed to do what we are supposed to do, but we did not. And then Jesus would take the role. He broke the bread and He served them. As they were being served, their eyes were opened. Wow, it is Jesus. And then Jesus suddenly disappeared from their sight. One thing we know, they were disillusioned, they were discouraged is that they said, as he was explaining to us the things of God, we become so on fire. Now we want to go back to Jerusalem. Now, after traveling a long journey, they want to go back to Jerusalem now, friends, so very often we become discouraged. We want to leave our comfort zone to, we want to leave our, the place of our destiny to a place of comfort. Perhaps they were going, going back to their hometown. They were going back to a place where they find it comfortable. But when they encountered Jesus, they moved back. They started traveling back to Jerusalem. I want to encourage all of us here this morning. You know, in, there are certain times in our life, perhaps we are like them as well. We are disillusioned, we are discouraged. But when Jesus shows up, when Jesus touches us, let us come back to the place of our destiny. Let's go back to the place of our calling. I remember when I was young, um, when I was young, sometimes I get scolded by my parents, right? And we'll cycle out. And we cycle out, I tell myself, I'm not going back to that home anymore. Then nighttime, I become hungry. <laughs> so, okay, like, I give my parents a chance. <laughs> Actually, the truth is, I give myself a chance. We all have that, those moments. But you know, the beautiful thing is, Jesus knew they were going away but he went out to reach out to them patiently without revealing his identity. And then they came back to Jerusalem. That is the second story. The third story that I want to bring to you, it's the story of Simon Peter. Okay, third story already, so it's good news. You know, Peter was a very prominent leader among the twelve. Peter was the leader who always spoke the loudest. He knew what he wanted to do. He was firm. He was an alpha, you know, like, I, I know who I am. So before Jesus went up to the cross, that was his stand. He said, Jesus, for the rest, I don't know. But for you, I'm willing to die with you. Wow. Can you imagine your other disciples? Who is this? Uh, like? <laughs> he thinks we are not as strong as him. That was, his, that was his stance. And we all know what happened. Under pressure, he denied Jesus not one time, but three. Wow, ouch. Just imagine, after those incidents, the disciples look at Peter. Say, hey, Peter, I thought you were strong. <laughs> I thought you said... We are weak, but you were the one that denied Christ three times. That is the background of the story. 
Imagine right now, after everything, Jesus was resurrected. He appeared to them. And now I want to bring to your attention in John chapter 21, I read to you. After these things, the Bible says, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And the Bible says, in this way, he showed himself. John wanted us to focus how Jesus appeared. It was a time where Peter, probably feeling defeated, discouraged and disappointed with himself because he thought he could do it and he failed terribly. He said, I want to go fishing now. And the other six disciples said, okay, we also follow you. Let's go fishing again. And for all night, they caught nothing. He failed as a fisher of men and now he failed as a fisherman as well. All night, caught nothing. But on the other side, Jesus was there. Jesus said, children, have you caught anything? They said, no. Just cast the net on the right. And as they did that, they caught a lot of fish. Just like Sabah, you get good fish. Right? And as they caught the fish, John was the first one that realized, it is the Lord. Peter, without saying anything, straight away plunged into the sea and swam towards Jesus. But the thing I want you to focus is this. Before he plunged himself into the sea, he actually put on his outer garment. The Bible says he put on his outer garment. Have you ever, how many of you here, before you swim, you put on more garments? <laughs> no, right? We took off, right? But Peter put on his outer garment. I was thinking for years, why did he do that? And why did John write about it? Probably, it was to cover his shame. You know when Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves? Probably Peter had to cover himself, to cover his shame. But one thing he did right was that he left the fish and swam towards Jesus. And when he reached there, he realised that Jesus was not there to judge. Jesus, being a loving friend, prepared fish and bread for them. Isn't it amazing when they were going fishing, not knowing if they can catch anything, Jesus already prepared a meal for them to spend time with them. I think a lot of times when we want to come back to God, we imagine God is that angry father. Perhaps we think that God wants to give us a miracle, but we have to kind of do something to earn it. But here we see Jesus was there and Jesus spoke to Peter Jesus asked Peter the same question three times Peter Simon Peter do you love me more than this at the end of the day that is probably the one question that God will ask us Daniel, 
do you love me more than ministry? Do you love me more than this? More than what you can catch? It is coming back. Can you imagine like Peter when he was young, he wanted to do great things for Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. That after that, he realized that he failed. By his own strength, he failed. Perhaps many of us, we wanted to do great things for God and we failed. We become disappointed with our decisions, our actions. We feel so far away from God. And today, Jesus is just asking Peter, do you love me more than this? He said, Lord, yes, I love you. And Jesus answered, feed my lambs. That means take care of the little lambs. Feed them. The second time Jesus asked, do you love me? He said, yes. Jesus said, tend my sheep. Not lambs anymore, but sheep. Take care of my sheep. Third time Jesus asked, He answered, yes, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. It looks like a progress for me from lambs. It's a journey of serving Jesus by serving the people. It's like parents, right? Feed the baby, take care of the baby, take care of the child, and now feed the child. It's a process. And in every season, every part of the journey, you realize there are different challenges but it always goes back to the same question do you love me more than this and Jesus said to Peter said when you were young you are a self-willed man you wanted to do what you want but as you grow older people will bring you to places that you may not want it is a lifelong commitment of feeding the sheep it is a complete surrender to what Jesus wants to do in his life. Friends, you know what? Jesus is not interested in you under the limelight when people are watching, when you are performing, when you're doing great things. Jesus is interested in you behind the scenes as well. When we are struggling, you know, God is so close to us when we struggle. That's where He wants to meet with us. That's when He wants to whisper to us. He said, He will say to you, Son, I understand. I understand what you go through. Daughter, I hear you. Perhaps you are like Mary, being sorrowful in anguish. Jesus will say to you, Daughter, I'm there for you. Perhaps you are like, the two disciples, they are not named properly. But yet, Jesus would travel to encourage you, to bring you back. He doesn't judge you. He would even sometimes hide His glory so that you can share your struggles with Him. He loves you unconditionally. All He asks is that we come back to His love so often I realize in my life 
when I'm sad, when I'm struggling. It seems that His presence is far away, but it is not. It is just made less obvious. And as I look back, I realize His presence has never left me. His presence will never leave you because He doesn't speak in a loud voice. There's just so many noise in our life. But He's whisper. He whisper to us. He's not far from you. He's always around. That's why He asked us to seek Him and He can be found. And it's like playing hide and seek. I used to play hide and seek with my children a lot. And what I love to do is the way they are seeking for me. Seeky, seek. The moment they found me, they will realize that my eyes have been gazing at them. Do you know when you seek God? You say, God, where are you? I'm struggling. God, where are you? And as you find, suddenly you realize that He's there and He's gazing at you with His loving eyes. I'm there for you. The beautiful thing is this. When these three stories, these three groups of people, when Mary encountered Jesus, she had a change of emotion. She was sad and now she brought back the good news. The two disciples had a change of direction. They headed back to Jerusalem again, to the place of their destiny. And then Peter, feeling like a failure, now Jesus restored him. I will use you. I will use you powerfully. So often when Jesus calls us back, it's not in a powerful setting where, you know, it's, it's always voice speaking, spoken from the cloud, like calling your name loudly. No, it's not. It's just that whisper. I say, son, come back. And I believe all this encounter that we have with God will lead us to a place of empowerment he said, all these things are written so that we may believe. So that we may believe that He is our God. Amen. Then we can go and make disciples for Him. It will change the way we minister as well. That we will not just minister to people just for healing and all that. Yes, there is this part. But even daily, we realize that Jesus is so close to us that we can experience Him. Shall we stand to our feet this morning? Can we just bow our head for a moment? I wonder which story spoke to you this morning. Was it Mary Madeline? You are carrying this burden emotionally that you thought, I don't know who would understand. And there He is. Jesus was there for you. He would delay His journey just to encourage you, just to let you know He is there for you. Are you like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? 
wonder how many of us here after following God for a while after living life for a while we become disillusioned is there hope? is there a purpose? there are so many things that you don't understand but you if you just open your eyes you realise that Jesus has been around with you and for you or perhaps you're like Peter you once had great dreams that you want to do for God for your life but you have failed before you feel that God do I even have a second chance I want to tell you friends today God is a God of second chance third chance He will always call you back say feed my lamb tend my sheep I have a great destiny and purpose for you He will not compare you with others. He will not see that you have weakness. You know, a lot of times we feel people leave us in our life because of our weakness. But God will stay back for us because of our weaknesses. That's why I can boast in my weakness. I can boast in my weakness and that's where the grace of God is made perfect in my weaknesses. If you were encouraged by the message, share this podcast with a friend or family member and check out our previous episodes. Thanks for tuning in.